This video is called a business marketing tune-up. It's where I help attorney Charles Alstrom, a family law attorney, come up with his USP and develop a plan so that he can start marketing his services and get better results for the work that he does. It's a little long, but you can learn some very powerful information from watching this, and you can download the forms, the unique selling proposition worksheet, and the advertising goal assessment on my website at ryanspeltz.com. Enjoy. All right. So let's just start with what you've got, kind of like your goals, because that'll give me an idea. And then we'll go into this, and then I have a lot of things to get, kind of go through with you to um, hone in on what your message is going to be. Okay. There's no wrong answer here. There's no right answer. And I definitely don't know everything. So you don't have to worry like I'm going to, you know, you have to follow what I'm saying. I'm going to help with ideas. One of my strengths is I have read so thoroughly in this avenue of branding, marketing, and sales that I just have ideas, but feel free to say that's crap. I don't, you know, it's not going to hurt sure. me. <laughs> so, oh, I, so I've been, I, well, you know, when, when we talked, I'm, I'm saying I am looking for help. I am looking for direction. I've been very actively seeking for help and direction. And so, I mean, it was, you were a, an answer that just plopped down in front of me that day. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad. very interested to hear what you have to say. So I. <clears throat> well, cool. So tell me about, let's start with where you're at, and then I'm going to take notes just because I want to be able to um, oh, come back you. to That's it. That's for you. I've okay. got mine on my You got yours on that. Yeah. So I just printed that out so that you could. So let's go through this at high <clears throat> level, kind of what your overall thoughts are. and. Okay. Well, and, and like I was telling you before, I've I've tried to launch this several times, and I I feel kind of like NASA, right? I get the <laughs> I get the rocket on the launch pad, I start the countdown, and then there's some major malfunction. Yeah, and then we we stop the countdown. I st figure out what's going on, try and get things pulled back together, start the countdown again, and then I, I keep hitting these. Roadblocks, huge roadblocks, and I right. I've I've accepted that some of that might be me. I know that when you and I talked the other day, you said some things that I went home and as I process it, I realize, yeah, you you said some things that that touched on some buttons, and so I'm I, I own that I'm right. I I think there's some fear okay. that I that I'm trying to deal with because it's. I mean, as I've looked around, that part of the reason why I'm excited about this idea is because I look around and there's not, I don't see anybody else it's not in the market doing this, advertising this way, any of this kind of stuff. So I feel like it's completely um, blue ocean, if yeah. you will. So it's it's, it's wide great. open. That also means, right, that I'm, right, then all of the little gremlins start saying, well, right. you know, who are you to, right, how dare you, why are you the person to take the first step into the ocean, and you're probably not the first person, there's probably other people who have done it who have failed miserably, and so, totally. you know, maybe you shouldn't even try, right, and so I, I know that I've got all those things going on inside me as well. I feel like there's a, there's a, a good market, I mean, I, right, I, I handle divorce cases. For sure, so. yeah. <clears throat> There's so many divorces. They're happening every day. And there's there's two parties to every divorce, yep. right? And in, at least up until recently, the majority, well, actually still, the majority involve a, a male and a female. Yeah. And so, right, 
half of the divorce clients are women. Right. And you've got some firms out there, you know, you've got this Cordell and Cordell firm that has made that their national thing to say, hey, we represent men in, right. in these divorces. And I hear those radio ads and they tick me off every time. Right. Because I, right, it's, it's a, hey, let's, you know, play to your fears and, yeah. and, and use that as a way to make you come hire us when, and so I just, I feel like there's, and then I've, you know, my parents went through divorce my wife is right. divorced, and so I've, I've kind of experienced personally that side of things. And so I also see how unfair some parts of the system can be towards women. And so I, right, I, I feel kind of drawn to say, hey, we need to address these things. We need to, we need to change that dynamic, and we need to, to make it happen. And again, nobody's out there. Nobody's picked up that sword and said, hey, we're, we're going to go fight this battle. And so, so tell me, like what, what are you going to call this fight? Like, you're the knight in shining armor for this market. What do you want to call it? I don't know. Okay. So, <laughs> so many that'll times. Be on, that'll be on our list. So a name for it so we can utilize it in marketing right. all the time. Right. So name your uh, niche, niche, depending on what generation you're from, right? Right. <laughs> so. I mean, so, I mean, the... My original business, Sentinel Law, right? There was the the lighthouse. All of that was very intentional. Yeah. We, we did a whole lot of things with branding to make it, you know, the our office. We picked. We were very specific in picking out our colors. We went with a very specific nautical theme. We did all these things because it was designed to say, hey, look, right? We're like the lighthouse. We're guiding you through all of these treacherous situations, helping you get through safe on your journey, and heading on your way in a successful in a successful way and so there was all this stuff that was all built around it um but i just again i, I just have felt like i right I, yeah I'm, I'm trying to move away and the waves push me back to the shore and and so anyway so now i'm i'm affiliated with a completely different firm right and yeah. so now i've got their branding that they're working with and i'm trying to figure out how to work in with yeah. that and and have my own product my my own services to market um but also then to make sure that that builds into the the idea i guess the bigger the bigger structure there so let me restate for just a second sure. just make sure so basically you're a divorce attorney i mean you you handle <laughs> family law right right so you uh -huh. have you handle custody battles you handle you know, trusts and wills and estate planning and all of those things. Those are all part of family law. Sure. But your focus has, uh, you know, in your mind, you're like, you know, there's nobody really representing women and being the women's advocate. And, and so, I mean, because I've represented men and women sure. and on both sides of the case. There, yeah, there's nobody out there saying, hey, we want to we want to focus on them. We want to be make ourselves aware of their perspective, right? That what issues they are yeah. that particularly, um, you know, impact them. And, you know, in the divorce arena, right, we're in trials, you read the law and it talks a lot about equity and fairness and, and that normally means equal, but there's so often, right? There's, there's so many things in a divorce that the court thinks, right? The judge thinks the law thinks that it's equal, but it's not gotcha. because there's, I mean, even if you, you know, take custody for instance. You say, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna have the kids spend equal time with each parent." Right? Seems completely fair. 
but then you start thinking about things like, okay, well, but, you know, who's taking the kids to the doctor? Who's, who's handling those kinds of things? Who's, who's the one that responds if they forget their backpack right. at home? Who's the, what if they're sick? Who stays home from school? Picks them up from school. Who does all that kind of stuff? And, and you start to drill down into those things and, and it, and it tends to follow, right, what the normal pattern in the marriage was. Right. And that is that it all falls to mom. Yeah. So how is that fair? How is it fair to say, well, the kids are sick. Mom should take off work. Well, mom makes less money. Okay, so of course it, it makes more sense for her to take off work. Yeah, except that that's the only income that she has to, to work right. with. So why is that? Well, you know, I pay your alimony. Okay, but how much? And does that really make things fair? Because... She's been at home taking care of kids and, and doing all this stuff Not while you've been a career. while you've been working, yeah, and developing right. your career. And so you're miles and miles and miles ahead. You've got experience that she doesn't have. You have experience that's marketable. And even just going into the marketplace and the and the types of jobs, the types of professions that women have tended to be into have fallen to, and oftentimes they go into these professions because it supports their ability to also be able to be available for their children and and, and work around school schedules and those kinds of things, those career fields are traditionally very underpaid, right? You've yeah. got nursing, childcare, you know, education. education yeah. those, those typically very um, female-dominated professions, but also very, very undercompensated. Right. And, and so there's there are all these societal rules and, and, and systems and, and things that have existed for hundreds of years that we look at and we don't think about. And especially, you know, I, I, I didn't look at and think about it sure. as a man until I started to look at it and think about it and realize, wow, this does not seem fair. Well, I think it's a great niche. And from, like, <clears throat> my interactions with you, they're, like, I think, I just got invited to speak at Women in Business. Mm-hmm. And one of my employees for Davis County um, for the Chamber of Commerce, and one of my employees was like, one of the ladies like, was somebody going to flank him? She's like, what do you mean flank him? Do you think somebody's going to attack him? <laughs> like, what do you mean? But the, I think the point was they didn't, she did she was worried about me coming across as the arrogant male, right? Mm-hmm. And I totally understand and I respect that position because the reason those women in business groups exist is because, A, they can, they can network and associate with other women who are doing the same things and, you know, accomplishing the same things. And so... But from my standpoint, watching you just as an outside observer, I think you'll have no problem in that world just saying, look, I'm a women's advocate. I'm here to help the women in divorced because, and I'm a specialist there. So part of specializing is becoming a specialist, like learning all of the ins and outs of what you need to know so that you can truly be an advocate for women in divorce. And so it doesn't mean you can't handle other divorce. You can't be a man's, you know, divorce attorney. You could. You just are a specialist in women's divorce. And so... I would focus your two things. I would focus your further education on mm-hmm. understanding those situations and laws and also mm-hmm. researching not just education-wise, like learning knowledge, but looking at cases, looking at past cases, looking at situations, and utilizing those as part of your education for the public because you're going to mm-hmm. use your knowledge to educate others so that they'll come to you to say, you're my attorney. But you're going to want to talk about cases, not necessarily yours, but case law that's happened and situations from other cases where you can say, 
this is why this is unfair. So you can really dial down to what that is and show people, here's what I'm talking about. This is why you need a, a women's advocate. It's that proof of concept. Because mm -hmm. sometimes people don't think, I need someone who specializes in me specifically. You, you're going to tell them that they need that. That's what this Cordell and Cordell is doing. Right. They're like, we're the men's advocate, right? Mm -hmm. Well, who's the women's advocate? Well, that's going to be you. So, right. so let's think about names. Let's think about that. Right. Um, but I, before I want to go into that, I want to sure. say two more things. One, when I started doing this, right, I, I started a magazine. And it's funny because people were like, well, what was your publishing experience before that? And I was like, I didn't have any. I'm right. like, I just decided this would be cool. But I mean, I did work for a magazine and I sold ads for them, but I wasn't part of the publishing. Like we didn't write articles. We didn't find the printer. We didn't do any of that stuff. And so they were like a franchise. They handled all of that. We were just the ad salesman, mm -hmm. you know? And so when I decided to do my own and when I left there, I was like, you know, if I ever did that again, I'd want to control the content. I want it to be something that I would read because I didn't like our magazine. Right. I didn't like what was in it. And so when we started our own, that's what we did. I quickly learned, like it was kind of a progression and you, you probably have this progression. So I want you to think about yours as I talk about it. But first thing I learned was that people don't know how to market. They would, t they would tell me, I'll make my own, my own ad. They'd make their own graphic. Mm -hmm. And this was pre Canva. So I'd get Microsoft Word documents with an ad in them. Right. I couldn't even use them. Like I couldn't even get them out of the Word document to put them into an InDesign file. So I started teaching myself graphic design so I could help them because I knew the basics. But the problem is I was a scrub as a graphic designer. Like I didn't have the background or the knowledge. Right. I also didn't have, some people have that skill where they have that visual appeal skill. And so I started looking at graphic designers and I, I quickly realized one differentiation for me would be to offer graphic design on ads as part of the advertising. So I raised my prices a little bit and I hired Stringer graphic designers and said, you come in and do, you know, do, uh, you know, do the graphic design just per piece. That started happening. That was really good. The second thing I noticed is people would blame the magazine when their ad didn't work. And at first I took that really personally because I was like, oh, well, maybe, the, maybe people don't like these. Maybe, maybe we aren't good. Maybe our magazines aren't good. You know, I would go into that like eternal battle that we all have. You mentioned some yeah. of that, you know, that lack of confidence. But then a weird thing started happening where other people would say, this is my best source. Of all the things I do, I get more calls out of your magazine than anything else. And I'd be like, all of a sudden it like lift my spirits. And I'd be like, right. Maybe there's something to do with what they're saying and how they're advertising. And I had studied Dan Kennedy for years and years and years. He was a marketing guy, marketing genius, really. Like, he just was amazing. And so I went back to all of those studies, and I started looking at what makes a great ad. And then I started looking at uh, Ogilvy, and I started looking at all of these, like, marketing gurus, and I just started devouring okay. information. And then I said... I know all this stuff. Like I've literally studied this for so long and I've had some really great, I was always like a salesman, right? A sales manager, but I had had some really great successes with marketing through my career, marketing things to help my salesman sell. And I was like, let me think through what I do to come up with these plans and how they work out. So I wrote my first book, which I gave mm -hmm. you the third edition. Right. 
I just threw that together because I was like, I need like a playbook for people to sit down and say, what do we do? How do we make our marketing better? Because I wanted people to stay in the magazine. I didn't want to keep losing advertisers because they're like, this thing doesn't work, right. you know? And I'm like, I've seen your ads. They're terrible. You don't have a concept. You don't understand what you're doing. And that was edition one. I was so intimidated to put my name on the front of that thing and to give it to somebody. Mm-hmm. I was like, who am I? Like, I'm just a salesman. Right. I, I'm like a, a regular guy that's just fighting, trying to make my way. So first thing I want you to do is to find a way to own your expertise and just start somewhere, right? Own what it is that you've got and what you, you know, you have specialized skills, you have specialized knowledge, you have things that you have that nobody else has. So own that. It took me to try and do that, to own it. And then I'm on edition three This now. is my first step. Perfect. You're awesome. That's awesome. And you, you do need to just say, <clears throat> I'm okay with the ramifications of saying I'm a women's advocate. I'm okay with it. And that may mean some negative, right? There, right. there might be some blowback. Oh, I'm, I'm sure that there's going to be. And, and that's why I, I think there's a little bit of hesitation in the sense of, uh, <laughs> okay. right? I'm I mean, scared. first of all, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's so much negativity about mansplaining and right. There's sure. Right. There's, there's all of this stuff. So I, I can, before I even open my mouth, uh, right. I know that there's going to be criticism about, well, why do we need a man to be a women's advocate? Uh, and yeah, I, and what's your answer? My answer is, well, why not? I mean, doesn't it, I, I think it gives a little more credibility if, if a guy, right, so the, the, the traditional oppressor or however you want to think, right, however yeah. that the, the narrative wants to describe me, the person who doesn't see, I'm saying, wait a minute, I see some of this. I, I don't get it all, right, because I know yeah. I haven't walked in your shoes, but I'm going to try, yeah. and I'm going to do the best I can to help you and to tell your story and to get your message out. Perfect. Right? Because there's also a chance that, hey, maybe some men will listen to another man trying to tell them, hey... There's something else you got to see here. Right. So. I also think you could just say, because I chose this. Have you ever heard the, the um, this is like a mental exercise, right? Okay. I have a vanilla ice cream cone and I have a chocolate ice cream cone. Which one do you choose? Well, vanilla. Why? Because I don't like chocolate. Okay. No, that's not a good answer. <laughs> Which one do you choose? Because I like that one better, the vanilla one. Vanilla. Nope. Why do you choose it? It's just because you choose it. Okay. There's, there doesn't have to be a reason why. Okay. Sometimes when you get into reasons, you get into explaining all these reasons. It's because I chose to be a women's advocate, right? I chose to publish magazines. Like, you're choosing this right now. Right. Why did you choose this? Because I chose to do this. There's no reason. This is the one I'm doing. I'm, I'm going to be a women's advocate. And I'm going to make sure I'm good at it. Because to me, I, I always talk about the ethical salesman. The ethical salesman knows what he's selling. He knows its strengths and weaknesses. And if it doesn't provide what the client needs, he's not going to sell it to him. And right. he's not going to use a silver tongue to get somebody to buy something that doesn't right. work for him. Right. He understands the strengths and weaknesses. And he's a good salesman because he understands it. So you're selling your services. Make sure that you're the expertise. Right. You are the expert you say you are. Right. So... Okay, so let's talk about naming. First of all, you are your brand. It has nothing to do with your law firm. Um, because you are the women's advocate, it's going to go along with you. You can build a team around you with you as the brand. It's been shown many, many times over that you can build a brand about around a name. And um, 
but it starts with you. And the idea and the people you're going to hire are going to revolve around you. So you should be very concerned about the match, finding attorneys that match the thoughts, feelings, and approaches that you're going to use. If there's a disconnect there, someone hears you talking about being a women's advocate, and then they meet with one of your associates, and they don't like women, or they aren't the same personality or attitude, or they do like to mansplain or whatever it is, because mm -hmm. I doubt I could even experience you mansplaining something like you're right. very gentle, you're very kind, you know, you have that feel to you. So I think, I think just making sure as you go, your brand is built around you and what you do. And you'll notice the same thing with me. I don't hire pushy salespeople because I don't like them. Right. I don't want them representing me. And so you're not going to hire you know, different types of attorneys than yourself. So that's going to be important. But let's name your niche. Okay. I like women's advocate, um, but I'm open to, like, let's talk about it. What do you think? Have you had any thoughts? I, no, I, so, I mean, I've, I've had lots of thoughts, but I mean, I've been trying to, I've been trying to think like, you know, maybe building it around the, the informational website or something like that. Yeah. But, but all of those names just sound kind of blah, right? What does Cordell and Cordell say? Uh, their tagline is like a partner you can count on. Okay, that's way, way bland and lame. It doesn't work. It only works because they spend millions of dollars advertising what they're doing. Right. Taglines are overrated. We're going to talk about a USP here in a minute, right. which is much more valuable than a tagline. Mm -hmm. So, But we'll go over that in a minute. But let's... Well, actually, you know what? This may help us come up with a name. Okay. So let's... I'm going to ask you some questions... And you can take this. You said there's no right answer, right? <laughs> there's not, yeah, there's not like a right wrong here. I know, I know. So I'm going to give you an example of a really good one. Okay. Um, there's a, a, I love leather. Like if you look at my phone case, you look at bags that I love, just real leather. It just, it gets better with age. It just has always been something that I've, I'm drawn to. I've loved my first baseball glove and I mm -hmm. would, oil that thing and just, I loved it. So um, there's a leather company called Saddleback Leather and their USP is your kids will fight over it when they're dead. Meaning they build things that last so long right. and are so good that your kids will be like, I want dad's bag, <laughs> right? Right. So we got to think of something that's simple enough. So it, Connection Publishing, we create connection in the communities we serve. That's our goal. Right. Now, there's more to that, right? There's We create connection between government and their, their community. We create connection from neighbor to neighbor because people get to see the students of the month. They get to see a recipe. They get to see all these things that co combine them together, cool things that have happened in the community. And then we connect our advertisers to the community as well. Right. So we create connection in the communities we serve. So we want to think of something that is unique but is also a statement of what you do. A partner you can trust, like that could be... A plumber, mm -hmm. right? Like, right. yeah, it's it's just so vague, and I, it doesn't matter. They're spending enough money; they've built their brand. It's fine, but we want to think of something for you that goes there. So, in three sentences or less, I want you to say what your company does. Uh, so I I put so so I've done again with Sentinel Law. I've done some different things like a vision statement, a mission statement, a value statement. Are those the kinds of things that you're asking for? It can for? be. Okay. But don't overcomplicate this. Right. Just what do you do? 
Um, we represent women in basically, in, specifically in custody and alimony uh, proceedings for dealing with their their kids and their finances and helping them get uh, fair outcomes. So outcomes that are fair currently, but then also fair so that they can start their life over and, and, and rebuild a new okay. happy one. And the fact that I'm interested in, in focusing that practice on women is, again, from all of my research, seems very unique. I agree. You tend to, and, and it became kind of a thing, and I don't know that, that, you know, Cordell and Cordell was the first to say, okay, we're going to do this men's thing, but it has become this thing to, you know, men are mistreated, they're underserved, they don't get what they deserve. Utah is unique, and I would say we're unique culturally. We have this very family-oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, I always tell the story when we lived in Las Vegas, my wife was pregnant with our third child, and she was in the grocery store, and the lady came up to her in, very indignantly and said, you're done, right? Just so annoyed that she was having a third kid. <laughs> and we moved to Utah with four kids, and the question totally changed. Everybody's like, well, when are you going to have the next one? Just a bizarre change. And we were like, what the heck? So weird. Why could so many people concerned about how many kids I'm going to have? I know. Why is it any of their business? Yeah. But but it was just kind of funny because it was just such a night and day. We were like, what in the heck? Yeah. So that's part of it. There's a much more kid-friendly, family-friendly environment. But I think there's also a much, like from... It, from the limited knowledge I have of the legal system, there was a period where men were just kind of pushed aside. The mom gets all the custody and all, all that, and the dad gets to pay for it. But I don't think that's the case in Utah. And I've heard a lot of divorce stories. Where, in fact, my, my sister-in-law got divorced, and it went the other way. The husband got more more advantage, right. more right. options, more benefit. Right. And, I, you know, it's interesting because, right, that's the thing that I hear so often, you know, is Utah a man's state or a woman's state? And and I try and stop people and say, well, what I have, right, my study and, and understanding of the law is that the, the court is always trying to, is trying to do what's best for the kids and is trying to, as much as possible, keep things the same for kids. Utah is also a state that has a, a tradition of mom stays home and takes care of the children and dad provides for the family and so to say well you know now dad doesn't get any time with the the children well the law was trying to say well what can we do to kind of keep things as much the same for the kids as it was before so mom continued to stay home and care for the kids after the divorce and dad continued to provide yeah right so dad still had time with the kids but it certainly wasn't every evening so the law was trying to do the best that it could. Sure. And so often, again, like I talked to you about this idea of, you know, who takes care of the kids when they're sick and who takes them to their appointments. And all. Right. That, those aren't the things that people start thinking about. But, right. But those are patterns that we develop in our, in these marriage relationships. And those patterns tend to continue even after the marriage relationship is over. Yeah. And, and you see that happen. And so, you know, dads are coming in saying, I want equal custody. I want all this time. But then when you get into the, right, when you get into the, all of these other details, all of these other, I guess the things that I call the heavy lifting of, of family life, 
yeah. then it's a lot easier to say, oh, no, that's fine. You, right? you go, you, yeah. the, you take the kids to the doctor. I can't miss my budget meeting at work, so you're going to have right. to, you know, stay home with the kids. And, you know, I, there, there's all these things where you see it's not as equal as, right. you, as, you, as we like to think it is, right? We, we go into the courtroom and say, it's, you know, 50% each way is, is equal, and that's fair. But it, that doesn't trickle down into the details. And, okay. and that can get sometimes overwhelming. Even those details can become so huge that then you're like, well, yeah, this isn't fair. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. Think of your target market. Be as specific <clears throat> as you possibly can. Obviously, you could say women are getting divorced, but let's be a little more specific. Like, think about what they do, what they okay. buy, what their life is like. Um, think like they think, um, okay. which is a little tricky when you're talking, you know, different gender and different life, but you've met enough. I'm sure at this point you can say, okay, this is the way they tend to think. Okay. And we're not trying to put anybody into a box here. There's obviously different situations for everybody, right? You, you're going to have totally different scenarios for every situation, but there are some tendencies that you're going to find. Mm -hmm. And um, what problem or want do they have that you're going to solve? Okay. So be very specific. What problem are these people? So think about the people. Think about the women that you're thinking of. What mm -hmm. problem do they have that you're going to solve? And in my opinion, part of this problem, they might not realize at the beginning. They might not go into that thinking, wait, that's not fair if I'm the one taking off work all the time. How do I advance my career if I'm taking off a day every time a kid gets right. sick? Like those, those kinds of right. things. So a very simplification here, but what is the primary problem that they have that you're going to solve? Well, and, and I guess I see kind of two, I mean, within that representing women, I see kind of two separate demographics. Okay. One is the, maybe more of the, the middle-aged woman, you know, 33 to 36, 37. She's still got younger kids at home, right? She's been married at, at this point, you know, 10 to 15 years, um, you know, and there's some significant trust issue then that has occurred between her and her husband, and so she doesn't know now what to do. She's scared because she's relied on her husband. He earns a decent income. She doesn't know how she's going to uh, uh, be able to afford to live. She can't imagine what life looks like. You know, what does it look like? Instead of being in a five-bedroom house, now I'm going to supposed to survive in a three-bedroom apartment or, you know, living in the basement of my parents' home. Or, right? So there's all these things about how do I make this work? logistically, how do I try and keep things the same for the kids? How do I work and be able to support them, you know, because most of these kids are going to be fairly active, you know, there's going to be soccer and, and, or ballet or, you know, dance, whatever these activities are. So the kids are going to be fairly active. Okay. And so trying to be able to say, okay, well, how do I replace that income, right? So that we have some reasonable lifestyle you know, so that we, the kids can continue to do the things that they've done and, and I can be there to support them. You know, what kind of work am I going to do? I haven't done, I never went to, you know, I got maybe a couple of years of college done, but I never finished college. How, what about that? And how am I, what kind of job am I going to be? All those things are like, how does, yeah, this is a huge change. And, 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 and even just emotionally, it's yeah. coming to grips with, okay, being I, single again. I had a life plan that I thought, right, when I'm 20, 21 years old, I, I set out on this journey and I, right, I'm, I'm ready to go. And now all of a sudden, right, it's the, different. 
the captain of the ship has come to me and said, hey, yeah, the person you've got on the boat with, they're, they're, He's getting off. they're going overboard. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna, they're going to get off here at this next port, and then you're going to continue on this journey on your own. Yeah. And that's scary. It, it's terrifying. And I mean, it, right, that idea of yeah. being alone in and of itself is it's terrifying true. for people. But, but then just all of the other ancillary things, you know, health insurance and all this kind of stuff becomes this yeah. huge deal. And, and how do okay. they provide it? And so that's. So who's the second group? The then? second group is someone who's maybe in their um, mid to late 50s, right? So you know, retirement is coming. Most of the kids are, are grown up out of the house. You know, maybe you have a, you know, one, your last caboose is there, but the, the kid's 16, 17 years old, and so it's going to be graduating yeah. soon. So you're like, okay, so you're you're getting ready to transition into that next phase of life. And again, there's, there's some trust issue. Something has come up, and you're like, uh, I don't know how I can continue this. But now you've got... 30 plus years of marriage and so now you're like well I don't have time to go out and you know right. gosh I wish I would have gone back to school and I wish I would right. have gone back to work you know and maybe they have worked some outside of the sure. home but it's always been a hey I'm gonna you know work part-time just some supplemental income we want to pay for the camp trailer or whatever and so sure. I'll, I'll do some work to do that but it's not like she's career been focused seeking. on a career yeah. or anything that's all been, yep, my husband does that. I'm going to support him. I take care of the kids. I do all this stuff, right? We we made commitments when we got married, and, and now we followed through on those commitments, and, and now I found out that, that my partner has decided to, not to honor that commitment. And okay. not only are they, did they not honor that commitment by somehow being unfaithful to this concept of the marriage, right, whether that's financially, whether it's an affair, you know, whether it's some pornography or substance addiction or something, sure. right? There's something going on that then says, I have I can't had take this serious anymore. damage to my trust. Uh, yeah. And then you're like, okay, well, but now what do I do? Because I'm, right, I've committed to this. I've I put all my eggs in this basket. Well, and there's an investment of time for a, a you know, in it, this is a very traditional role style marriage that you're talking sure. about. When a, a woman stays home with kids, she's investing in his career too. Mm -hmm. he, she's giving him the freedom to say, I can have a family, but go work yeah. as hard as I want. Totally. You also have a different group of people who both spouses work equally. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a different scenario, but you're saying most of the time when you're working with someone, these are the scenarios <clears throat> they're in. And, and I, I will also tell you, right. Even in that scenario where you see dual career homes, I, I still think you see, right. You still see that disparity. Role placement. You see that role placement, and that is more, right? That's less a function necessarily of the marriage. That that might be more of a, a function of society, okay. or it's just right. I mean, women tend to be more right, a stronger caregiving personality, yeah. more nurturing, and so there are career fields that allow them to fulfill that role. Something that right. brings them right. That so they they okay. they get fulfillment from being a nurse and providing that, right. that level of care or, you know, being a teacher and, and mentoring all of these kids. It's great. We need it. But you, but you see some similar disparities in, in those career paths. And, and again, that's, that's as much societal as it is anything else, but, but you see even then those, those, those huge differences. Okay. So, so far. And so her worry is 
okay, now what? I, I've right. been planning on being a grandma and being able to see my kids and, right? I'm not planning on starting some career, right? right. I, I'm, we're thinking about retirement, right? right. We were going to start traveling. We were going to start to enjoy. And now all of a sudden that's being taken away. So now how do I live? Because she has even less opportunity, right? Right. At least with mom, right? The, the, the mom with mom. younger kids, right? I she call can start her, a career. I call her Megan. And this older, older uh, woman is Peggy, right? So those okay. are my, my <laughs> avatars, right? So Megan still has the ability. She can start a career, right? She still has, I mean, nowadays with, with the different career fields, even at 35, she has the ability to work at least you know, 20 to 30 years. Right. And so she has some ability to say, hey, I can still gain skills. I can still, you know, make plans for retirement and and, and, and get myself into a place where I'm going to be okay. Peggy doesn't have that, right? right? Peggy is like... It's late. I, yeah, this is this is like way late. This is, right. there's three minutes left in the fourth quarter and, and I'm not going right. to be able to score 50 points to win this game. Okay, so two words you've said that I think are stuff we could either use or focus on is trust and roles. Mm -hmm. So trying to, you know, manage the roles properly as well as that trust has been not only violated, but like the hope for me, if I was ever in a legal situation, the hope is that the, the law would protect me, right? Mm -hmm. That's the whole point we put laws in place is to protect our society from wrongdoers and, and not, I, I tend to stay away from trying to make judgments on who was wrong in a situation. Mm -hmm. um, typically, like when you have a family family members that get divorced, I love them both. So I'm like, right. uh, how do I choose? Who do I'm going right. to be upset with or whatever? And so <clears throat> I think trust, like creating that, and trust may not be a word we use in your USP, but it is something to consider that is a, a term that you need to be trusted as a women's advocate and and they need to find trust. Like they need to find a way that they can say, okay, the law is going to take care of me. Because there's situations, we see them online when you watch crazy videos of things that happen and you're like, whoa, why did that happen? It right. just seems way unfair. And that's what we're hoping to avoid. <clears throat> so. But as you mentioned, right, that, that whole paradigm of, you know, Quote, fair versus fair, unfair, right. <laughs> that depends completely on who you ask. Yeah. Right? I mean, that goes back to, to, you know, the marketing for these father's rights uh, law firms, right? They're, they're, their whole thing is built around, well, this is unfair. Dad should have equal time and dad shouldn't have to pay all this money in alimony. Well, that that's just, that's that's buying into a message that I, first of all, think is patently untrue, right? Mom has made all of these sacrifices and has, has dedicated and focused and, and done this part of her job. Right. Right. And, and I hate to see those cases where then it turns into, well, yeah, but the house was always a mess. And and, you know, I was cooking dinner and it's it just right. It there's this <clears throat> there's these commitments that you make to each other and you do them. Right. Right. And so it, it shouldn't turn into this thing of, well, OK, you've you've done this. You've cared for our kids. I've been able to go to work and do my thing. Um, but, yeah, I man, I don't want to I shouldn't be have to be helped pay for that. Right. Even though, right, I've gained workplace experience. I've, right? I, I've, sure. I've gained all, all this stuff that the court can't even divide, right? How does the court say, well, um, sir, right, I appreciate your, 
your 40 years that you put in at your job and now we're going to take that experience and, and you're going to get 20 years of it and she's going to get 20 years of it so that you can both go out and try and yeah uh, you can't do that right I mean that alimony is one way that the court tries to say well we're going to try and balance that out but I mean I've had some cases recently where <clears throat> husband files for divorce right almost 40 years of marriage and then turns around and retires right so he's making $150,000 a year, and then it goes down to $50,000 a year. Right. And wife is like, oh, I can't live on this. Right. Right? And the court says, well, we're going to divide the retirement, and that's that's, right? that's what we got. Yeah. So unfair. Yeah. So, I mean, sorry, I'm, I'm going to try not to jump on a soapbox with this one, but th those are the kinds of things that really fire me up. So... <clears throat> um, one thing I w I'm just going to mention because it's sure. popping in my head is you, in this conversation, you're using a lot of words to explain what's going on. So I want to try to funnel it down. And that's okay. I think Simplify it's... Simplify it. Okay. Well, no. I think it's actually a part of your profession, right? You use words to accomplish what you need to accomplish. And so when you write a brief, it's not brief. It's going to use as many words as necessary to make sure that everything is covered. And uh, a good friend of mine is an attorney, and <laughs> he uses so many words all the time. I'm like, wow. And uh, he's, he's awesome, but he really does use a lot of words. So here's what I want you to think about in marketing, not necessarily in your law practice. Sure. No, but in marketing, sense. I want you to think about nuggetizing things, little nuggets. So you say, okay, here's a story that happened. How can we nuggetize that and say, okay, here's... Here's the least amount I can say about that to still be effective with it. This is only on the marketing side. And if you're face-to-face -face with someone like you are with me, it's not like it's okay to use a lot of words, but you're not going to be face-to-face -face with everybody you're right. marketing to. So we've got to say, okay, how do we do this with, let's, let's use these. So um, this was actually in my mind before we even came into this because I think your uh, your passion is awesome regarding this because you really have thought about it. You've seen these inequities and you're like, I this is something I can help fix. When you are passionate about something, you can tend to use a lot of words for it. So when you say, okay, here's a situation of a Peggy who is, you know, her husband now retires and cuts their income in half, take that and say, this was a scenario, this is a solution. That's how you nuggetize something, right? You just say, okay, here's a scenario, here's a solution. So let's say you're going to start doing some YouTube videos or um, Instagram reels, whatever we, you know, whatever we hone in on for your marketing. And those Instagram, those videos should be in that format. Problem, solution, problem. And that, that's one video. Right. And then the next video is another problem and another solution. People aren't going to follow you closely enough that they're going to, like sit on every word that you say. So you should repeat, if there's only like six major problems that happen, you should do six videos and then start over again. Different people, different scenarios, six videos doing the same problems. You right. got a Peggy, she's got this situation, this is the solution. You got, what was the other one, Megan? Megan she's yeah. got this situation, here's a solution. You got a different Megan, here's a different situation, here's a solution. Like. That should be one of the nuggetized things that you do is explaining how you helped advocate for that and what you fought for. And sometimes you're going to fail. Nobody expects it to be perfect, but that would be, in my mind, right. like how to break down some of these situations because you do have a lot of stories 
and you can utilize those stories in a marketing slash teaching role that you're going to use in talking to people. So, okay. So remember facts tell stories sell and you've used a lot of stories already, which is really powerful. And, you know, in, in marketing, keep them simple, but you've got to know what are the, the main stories that are happening. And I think you've kind of covered those, but, um, in a lot of ways, but people, so in, in direct sales, which is where I spent my career, we always said people buy benefits over features. Mm-hmm. So they'll buy with emotion and they'll defend their decision to buy something with their with logic. Their reasons, yeah. Right. But that's not why they bought. Right. They bought because it looked cool or it had a cool smell or like there's weird right. emotional things that happen when people buy. So um, that still applies, even though you're like, are they buying an attorney's fees? Like they are like, that's a, a decision and, and it's a big decision. Like it's right. an expensive one. So I think emotion plays into it even more. So the better you get at targeting what that emotion is and saying, here's how we overcome that. I think those words we talked about earlier, roles and trust, are part of that, right? Part of the stories you tell. This Peggy you just talked about, that her, the husband just made 150 grand a year, retires now, he only makes 50. She had trust in the idea that if she was going to, to play the role she played, which was mom, raise the kids, and give him the freedom to build a career that mm-hmm. could make a high income, because 150 grand a year is high income. And she trusted she would have the benefit of that in the long run. But that trust was violated and now they're getting a separation well now not only is her trust in her spouse gone her trust in the life decision she's made is gone she's like what the heck now i'm stranded so i think again those are kind of ideas that we need to play on and think about and come up with but what's um what's a story you tell that expresses your the benefit they're going to get by hiring you story that I tell. And if you don't have one you're already yeah, telling, we can come up with one. I don't have, I, I guess, yeah, I'm, I don't have one that I specifically So think about tell. a Megan that you've helped. Mm-hmm. No names, obviously, because attorney-client right. privilege. And But think about a Megan you helped, and the outcome was really good. And in as simple as possible, tell me what the situation was and how what you did changed it or helped it or made it better. I get that the law has a lot of flexibility and a lot of things that happen. Right. And so there's not like a perfect scenario, but just tell, tell one story of someone that you can think of. And it doesn't have to be a Megan. It could be a Peggy too. Like either one, right. like who's someone you helped. And just in a simple say, like, here was the scenario. Here's what we fought for. Here's what we got. I think that might take me a minute to okay. think of a good example. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go <clears throat> kind of review, and while I'm doing that, you'll be thinking. So you're going to represent women in custody and alimony proceedings and divorce, um, helping get fair outcomes, start life over, build a happy future. Okay. Uh, the two problems that you run into are the Megan and the Peggy. Megan's mm-hmm. a younger, 33 to 37, got kids, younger kids at home still, all in school. Um, she's scared. She relied on her husband for income. Um, and, and and even just support, even dual, dual career people, they're going to, like you said, have roles that are separated. And so, um, and then your second role or your second problem is mid to late 50s, 
kids gone, transitioning close to retirement or at retirement, and now now they're getting divorced. And so they don't have a work history. They don't have that job. They don't have all those benefits of years of focusing on those things. And so they're in a bad spot. Um, for the differences in, or the unique things about your industry, what we're looking for is differentiation. But the, in the industry, there's going to be some things that are unique. And what I wrote down is the law tries to be fair, right? Mm-hmm. The law is trying to be fair. But what they're looking at is, okay, 50-50 is fair. Instead of saying, okay, what are all the unique situations? And this is, we, we were um, talking just a couple of days ago about setting up a new um, LLC for me. Mm-hmm. And I loved what you said because it's something that I've actually said to attorneys in the past is I want to build the divorce clause into this business arrangement, right? And I want to make sure we know if things go south at some point, how are we going to break up? And how are we going to make sure this happens? And that that's, you you said it before I even brought right. it up, which was awesome because you're thinking of the scenarios, the unique situations and scenarios that we could end up in, in this business venture. And then we say, okay, this isn't working anymore. Let's break up. How are we going to do that? What's that going to look like? Hopefully it never happens, but if right. it does, what's that going to look like? And I think that is a big part of what you've got to do is consider and think about how to how to help the law see these scenarios as potentialities and then hope, hopefully overcome them in advance. Right. right. So and so oftentimes, I mean what what you see so often, I mean cuz in in my world, right, a successful case more often than not, is not a case that ever gets into a courtroom, right? Yeah. A successful case is a case Settles. that we resolve because we settle it, because yeah. we're able to say, look, these are the goals, and this is where we're going to be, and, and we resolve it that way. The The struggle that we have is that, right, you've got, when you, when we're, we're trying to push and advocate for that, okay, fairness is going to be more than just what is you know a 50-50 divide fairness because of all of this is going to be look different than that when you ha- when you're dealing with attorneys on the other side right representing men who have that well 50-50 is fair and so why should we deviate from that that's what the law is going to give us right right and so we're also fighting this battle of we're trying to help the courts the judges learn and view and understand that this 50-50 isn't isn't it's not fair. as fair as it sounds yes it's it's well and it's right it it probably doesn't feel very fair to the husband because he's like well shoot this is half of my stuff right and it doesn't feel very fair to the wife because she's like okay but this isn't going to get me very far down the road and, and so you've got this this tension and being able to um, work through that so part of what we're doing is we're developing this network of of other professionals, so people who are able to right, work with our clients right from the beginning, we create a good, solid financial picture of what their life looked like in the marriage, and so then what we have a what we're trying to create after you know after the divorce is over, but so that we have a real solid foundation and somebody who can explain that to the judge better than the clients can, right? Because the clients are like, well, yeah, I, you know, I spend some money on vacations and things like that as part of my lifestyle. But if you've got somebody who has some more letters behind their name and can say, well, I went through this information and based on this, this is this is what their spends are. And that, then you have somebody who has more credibility with the court. And then you have the ability to say to the judge, judge, this is what we need to do in order to make things equal, right? Yeah. Because wife has less buying power. Wife has less 
ability to go out into the marketplace, right? right? I mean, this case that we were just dealing with, um, uh, this Peggy with the retiring husband, right? She's got a house, right, that is, has appreciated significantly over the last couple of years. They haven't lived there very long, but the house has appreciated significantly. And so she's also dealing with the fact of, well, how do I, right, how do I refinance the house? Or, right, I don't have a very long work history, so how do I even go out and qualify for us? I like, you know, maybe something that has fewer right. bedrooms, but is the same, you know, similar year yeah. and stuff like that. One, there aren't houses available out there. No. Nope. Two, she, she doesn't have, she, well, I think now she barely has the work history to be able to qualify. Right. Right. But there's, but there's all of these factors. And so there's, there's so much of this that requires that education. It requires that education of, of opposing counsel and it requires education of the courts. Right. Right. To be able to help people to understand, oh yeah. Which is your role. Yeah. You're and the that's, educator. that's my role. And that's through a, a years of trial and error, right? We're, we're figuring out who these people are that need to be there to talk to the judges so that then they have the information in the background to be able to say, oh, okay, well, so maybe it doesn't make sense to sell the house and divide the proceeds right. equally. Because, right, husband can go buy a house, sure, no problem. Because he's got a job. Wife can't. Right. Okay, so I, I've got an idea. Sure. This is a USP idea, and it came from what we just talked about. But I could see Charles Alstrom, women's advocate, 50-50 is not as fair as it sounds. Do your people know that 50-50 is not going to be fair to them? Do, your, do the women that you're representing know that initially? Well, I'll tell you one thing that I hear often from clients when they're, you know, they're coming in, right? They sit down, they talk with me, and I, a lot of potential clients are really worried about that. I want to be fair, right? I don't want to take all of his his retirement. He's really worried that I'm going to take all of this stuff. And, right, I just, I want it to be fair. I want it to be, you know, 50-50 or whatever. And that's when we start to have these conversations about, well, you know, what what does 50-50 mean and, and, right. and what is fair? What, yeah. What, what investment have you made in the marriage and, and what should you be getting out of it? And then is 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 50 50 i'm sure part of your role too is helping the women realize that they do need to fight for what they want and what they need Mm -hmm. because the men the man's probably going to fight for what he wants and needs right well and 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 it's such an important uh, such an important part of it is to a lot of times i mean i'm i'm surprised at how often women come in and they say you know so let's talk about you know how about finances i don't know how much does your husband make I don't know. Well, you know, what do you, what, how do you do, how do you buy groceries? Well, he gives me some money and I go buy groceries. If I need yeah. something, I'll ask him for some money. And, right. And, and so, I mean, you're dealing with all of these different scenarios where you're like, okay, we, we really need to do some work and, and right. help figure out because they don't, right? They, they don't have the experience in budgeting. They don't have all of these. They, they don't even have the tools to be able to sit down and say, okay, what does this look like? And so no wonder they're frightened. I mean, yeah. so no wonder they they're terrified they're at. because they're like, I don't even know. I, it's, it's been this system of I've had needs, he's provided them for me, and, and I, haven't, I, I haven't had to ask questions. Or when I've tried to ask questions, it's been this, you know, wall of, well, you know, don't you trust me? Or, right. you know, you don't, don't you worry about that? Or... You know, and, and 
So then it, and, and then those are also the cases where you tend to hear then complaints start coming in from the husband of, well, you know, she always just spent without any regard sure. of, of. That's well, him how, fighting for his. That's him fighting for his stuff. But it's also, well, how could she, she has no, she has no she's no in a vacuum. Clue. She yeah. has, she just, she's like, okay, I guess I, I need something. And I go to my husband, the ATM, and he makes <laughs> it happen. And so, I, yeah, I have no. I have no basis of knowing any of this or knowing how any of this works. And so it's, 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 you start to get into these cases and you realize that there's not, there really, it, it feels like there's not any sort of cookie cutter approach because everybody's so different. Yeah. I mean, there, there's of course things that we have to do. And this, and this idea of going through and doing this, you know, getting this financial yeah. picture of, of, of what their marriage was like is, is just, it's so important. Yeah. It's important and for, it's, for our clients and it's important for the, you know, ultimately the judge and, and you have to start it out that way because you don't know which cases are going to settle right. and which cases are going to go to trial. So you just have to plan everyone like they're going to go to trial. Right. But as you do that, then you're going to settle more and more too though, because people are going to be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. We know where. Yeah. We know where this one's going to go. Well, and you've all already done the legwork to mm-hmm. get things situated. So, so we're working on a simple statement. Your yeah, USB, I'm still, unique I'm still talking up a storm so proposition. No, it's okay. I see that you're working through what it is, and you have something to sell here, right? So we use words to sell. You have right. a service to sell, but we've got to come up with something that, like at the end of a video, that you can say. Um, I still like the idea of saying 50-50 is not as fair as it sounds because 50-50 sounds fair, right? Right. If I'm a person that says, I'm trying to get it fair, and you're like, well, let's just do it 50-50. Okay, that sounds fair. But what you're saying is 50-50 is not as fair as it sounds, especially from the women, the woman's point of view in these scenarios. How does that, how does that feel? How does that sound? Yeah, that, I, I like it. Okay. I mean, I, because it's, I, I guess, boiling down my message. That's, I mean, that's it in a in one in a sentence. Nutshell. Yeah. Okay. So we're gonna leave it at that because okay. you can always change this later. But I like it. Um, fifty, fifty, is not as fair as it sounds. If you can read my writing later. I made a note too, so I can read it also. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's get to the let's get to the point of advertising and marketing and talking about what what that is going to look like. Um, I think so. Here's another like synopsis of what I've experienced from a marketing standpoint. You are and want to be an educator. You've even talked about doing courses and doing, you know, uh, marriage classes to help people get through some of the issues that cause them to get divorced. You've said to me, I'm okay with getting put out of business if I could help people get through these things because right. you want marriages to last and you want people to work through their differences. It probably won't happen because we're human and we end up in relationships right. that we right. decide we don't want to be right. in anymore. So, but the point is, I, you're an educator. So, I'd like to see a very educational storytelling uh, angle to all of your marketing. And so that'll include scenarios, those nuggetized thoughts that I have. Anytime you finish up a case, um, I think you should have a way of telling about special situations that happen, right? Not Siri. (laughs) I'm not sure I understand it because I wasn't talking to you. 
But I think if um, I think if you can think that way and say, okay, what lessons can I? So this is something I'm doing myself too because I'll be in a situation with a client and they'll ask me questions and I'll help them with a solution, and then I leave that appointment and I'm like, I wish I had a video camera on me all the time because right. that was really good. Yeah. yeah. And so now I'm trying to train myself to go into the car if I'm in my office, turn on my camera, and just say, okay, here's, here's, some, here's what I just learned, or here's what I just helped somebody learn. And those are really powerful learning situations. So I think a little bit of that type of thought process. Now, you're, you're my generation, right? We're, we are, did not grow up in the TikTok generation. It right. is not natural for us to turn on our video camera and talk to it. Right. So my only advice to you is to pick a platform. You can go across multiple platforms once you get comfortable. I picked YouTube. Um, I started doing a little bit of TikTok. I started doing a little bit of Reels and Stories, but I picked YouTube as my as my main um, place because you can only do so much, right? And I, I just felt like that was a good place for me to tell stories. So pick a platform and pick some styles that you're going to do and start recording yourself. So what's going to happen during that process is you're going to get done with some of them and you're going to be like, that one was terrible. I don't like it. It doesn't, <laughs> it's not good. Right. But then you're going to look at other ones and you're like, oh, that's a really good one. If it's a really good one, it'll live on YouTube, but so will the terrible ones, right? They're both going to be there. But you're, the ones that are good, we may take those and use them as a paid advertising or even the concept behind the good ones where you're like, oh, I nailed it on that one. And then we might make an ad that we run on YouTube or that we run on another platform where we take that video or the concept behind that video and we say, here's a situation, a problem, here's how I solved it. Right. And this is why it's really good. So I, I think that is going to be a process that, you, you know, I, I would set aside time each week, put it in your calendar, don't allow it to be booked over. Um, so you just know every week at this time, I cannot have another appointment. Your assistant knows you can't have another appointment. You are booked out. And what you're booked out doing is recording yourself. Okay. The first few are going to be awkward and weird. Right. Um, but what's funny, so I'm doing this myself, right? And I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here because you already know you should be doing right. this, right? So, <laughs> but here's what's interesting. I go back and look at my videos. I can hardly watch them because I'm so annoyed I'm like, I'm not that stuttery of a person. I'm not a person that says, um, and you know, every couple of sentences, but for some reason you put up that camera in front of right. me and I'm like, um, you know, it's like, um, and I, I watch my own videos and I'm like, oh, they're so terrible. So I, I think that's just part of the process. I've told myself, I'm going to go through. So I, I have my book and I've just taken each chapter basically and mm -hmm. said, okay, I'm going to make a video about each chapter, which for me, a book was a good way. And, and you've talked about writing a book. So a book was a good way to break up the thoughts that I have into lessons, if you will, so that I could teach those individual concepts. And, and we'll go through those as well. That's what uh, one thing you could do. Um, my phone is actually recording us right now, but on my phone, I actually have a note and I just continually add to it. And it's YouTube channel ideas. So I'll have a concept come to me or something that I talk to a client about, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to put that one in. That's something that you should do as well, kind of an outline. I also have my version four of my book where every time you publish one, that's why I have three editions is because every time I've published one, I've realized the stuff I forgot to put in there or right. I find my, my mistakes and my errors. Right. And I'm, 
I'm uh, embarrassed by them. And I'm like, crap, people have this book. And I said this or whatever. The one that I just found recently was, I don't know. I don't know why I, I was trying to like determine how I messed this up. But in advertising, it used to be you had 10 seconds to grab someone's attention. But because our attention spans are decreasing, it's down to three. You have three seconds to grab someone's attention, right? In a, in a traditional advertising uh, world. In my book, I wrote 90 seconds. Wow. Think about how long 90 seconds That's is. a really long time. <laughs> Nobody's looking at things for 90 seconds to decide if they're going to look at it. It's in my all three editions of my book. And I read it not that long ago, maybe a month and a half ago. And I was like, what? I can't even figure out where that came from. I'm like, that is so wrong. And it's in all my books. And I was like, how in the world? And then I, I was reading it because I was making YouTube videos. Right. And I was like, what? So... My point is like, I've told myself, I'm gonna record all these. I've done 20 videos so far and I've published 10. You know, there's a little bit of lag time and plus I wanna have, I try to get them done in advance so I can do uh -huh. it. But I'm like, I can always go back and do the budget, the advertising budget thing again. And I can always go back and do the branding video again and do it better next time. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. So I think that's the thing to think about. Okay. Again, nobody's watching you closely enough to be like, well, you already talked about that. What are you, why are you talking about it again? Nobody's watching that closely. They're drawn to so many different directions. It's okay to repeat yourself over and over and over again. So, okay, so let's talk. So, so can I ask a question? Yeah. Right? You say choose a platform. Yeah. How, so, I mean, I've, I've been doing this marketing, this online marketing yeah. course, and they're talking about that as well. But then, you know, they're talking about doing market research to decide which platform. Yeah. So I've been trying to do that, and I've run okay. into a couple of issues. First issue is, you know, they're like, look at what your competitors are doing. Well, there's not anybody else out there who's doing this type of marketing. We're focused Cordell on Cordell women. is, though. Well, yes, but they're, so they're focused on So you can learn from men. them, but f switch the focus. Right. What are they doing? I, well, so I haven't looked at them yet, specifically. Okay. I've been trying to look at other people who aren't who are just casting the net out wide and, and to men and women. Yeah. To just people who are who are interested in a divorce. And so I would look locally. Uh -huh. So I'd look at Burton Law because mm -hmm. I know they handle divorce. Because And so I looked at them, right? Okay. And so the, the website that they recommended that I go to is called Simply Web or something like mm -hmm. that, Simple Web. And it's supposed to break down. But if you don't get more than 5,000 visitors in a month, it, they right. won't break it down. Right. And so... I'm running into all of these places that I would consider competitors that aren't getting, that don't have enough vi web visits to be able to show okay. anything. So you're trying to look super granularly, like what is Burton Law getting on their website, which without access to the back end of their website, you probably aren't going to find. Well, so anyway, they recommend this website because they can go in and, and look and say, okay, and well, they're getting, they're getting traffic from, you know, they're getting stuff from social media or they're getting stuff from right. YouTube or they're... Right, and so then you're supposed to be able to look at those percentages and say, okay, well, these people are doing this, right, and they're getting a significant amount of traffic here, so I can focus in on that. I don't. Okay. I can't. So here's I'm not what finding I would, that information. So you, you're a little granule, 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 granular, granular. There you go. Thank okay. you. I'm like, what's wrong with my word there? So let's just step back a little bit okay. further. And that let's say who's your main audience, which we talked about on this uh -huh. form. And so I would do demographic research by Googling what's okay. the most popular platform 
for middle-aged women aged 33 to 37. Try to find that. Okay. What's the most popular platform for middle-aged? And I know, I probably know the answers to these, but I'd rather you go do the research. Okay. Because, and I would be guessing, but I'm guessing based on experience from some of the advertising stuff we've done. And But I, I think I know the two that you're going to find. Right. So... That being said, go find it because it, it may be different than what I would say, and I don't want to spoil right. it. So, right. um, so once you have that dialed in, then just pick one because you can always reutilize your when you're ready to go to a second one. You can reutilize the content. Right. So, um, but right now you just need to pick one and start doing it. So, um, so I just need to choose vanilla. <laughs> you just need to choose vanilla. Why'd you choose vanilla? Because because I, I chose to. it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. You got it. So you're choosing one, and then you choose it. You go for it. Then once you've picked a platform for distribution of this stuff, don't go into it <clears> thinking, <throat> okay, I gotta get it. I gotta go viral. I gotta have a million followers. You're producing content to help clarify your own message. So even if only a few people are watching the video, you're clarifying your message every time you record yourself. You're clarifying how you've solved the problems that your clients are dealing with. And then you're going to say, okay, how do I get better at this platform? And there are videos and tutorials and lessons galore out there for people who are specialists in each platform who can say, here's, what, here's the best way to communicate with your community on this platform. So go study those things as well. Um, it cannot overwhelm what you're doing every day. So just little nugget size informational grabs anytime you can and just say, okay, um, they say that the best way to, so one of the ones that I've been researching lately is TikTok. And one of the ways to get more views on TikTok is to use sounds in the background that are very popular. And so sound, TikTok created this sound thing because you could have a snippet of a popular song. And then, you know, we all think of TikTok as its early days of, um, what was it called before the music one where it was just Napster kids. or whatever. no. Uh, before TikTok bought it, it was called something else. I can't think what it is right now, but it, it was kids, like teenagers, doing dances to songs. They developed these dances and moves and all these things. And, well, it's got a very strong song and music background to TikTok. TikTok's been instrumental in getting people to go viral with a new song that they've come out with that weren't signed by a label. And some of them are rising right to the top of the charts because people hear the song on TikTok and they love it and they go listen to it. So... But, you, you know, one of the ways on TikTok, for example, is to grab a song that's very popular and an interesting song that just came out is uh, Miley Cyrus. And it's a breakup song about her breakup. And she's like, I can buy myself flowers. I can hold my own hand and things like that, which is kind of interesting. And that may be an empowering song for some of right. your clients, but that could be something you would use. If you were going on TikTok, you could utilize that to demonstrate some of the problems that you're dealing with. So, but each one has its own. Facebook has its own marketplace and its own thing that's going to help you. Most of these platforms are going to try and push you towards, especially as a business owner, as a business person, they're going to push you towards paid advertising, which is okay. They're trying to make money. That's why they built these platforms in the first place. Mm -hmm. So accept that and start creating content so you can codify what you're going to say and then you'll utilize that when you do paid marketing. You'll utilize that messaging in the publications, right? You'll utilize that messaging when you do you know, paid Facebook ads. You'll utilize that messaging on your website. 
So the clearer you are on your on you being able to sell your message and saying 50-50 is not as fair as it sounds, and all of the messaging that's behind that, the better those videos will become, and then the more you'll be able to use them for other things, or at least the concepts okay. behind them. So... Um, <clears throat> So the next, I think the next place to go with this is to consider each of the different ways. Like I focus with people on three different things. Um, you can go for multiples of these three things, or you can just start with one. So branding and brand recognition is valuable, but Cordell and Cordell is what they've done is they spent so much in advertising. It's helped their brand be recognized. Right. I tend to pay attention more than most people because I'm in this industry, right? I pay attention to businesses. I pay attention. People can drive by a business for 20 years and not know it's there until they need it. I know it's there because I've tried to go sell them an ad probably, right. but I also just, <laughs> I pay attention, right? right? And so I'm looking and I'm like, oh, there's a new business going in there. I don't think most people do that. And so, um, but branding is a key piece of advertising, but you can also go do lead generation or in-person visit generation and help your brand get built over time. Right. You have to spend for the long term. But if you think about the most powerful brands in the world, Coca-Cola, um, you know, Apple, Amazon, Facebook, Google, like those are massive brands that have really impactful, you know, uh, names in the world. We know what they do. We know why typically they do it at least what they've told us for why they do right. it, right? And like, and for the most part, there's trust. Like you have a, this is this, an iPad, right? Uh-huh. So you have an Apple iPad. Right. Why did you buy that one over like a Samsung? Well, because I have an iPhone and I have a MacBook and I have a yeah. Apple Watch. And, and I mean, I, I, for a while, I did mix and match. I mean, I, the iPad was the thing that I... I, I I like the iPhone, but I had gone off and used Samsung phones, and um, I really love the iPad in terms of its functionality, and and it was very useful for me in in my legal practice, and so I've just I've loved it. And then some friends told me, "Hey, you really should see what happens when you, you combine them, <laughs> right? When you are using the iPad and the MacBook and the iPhone, yeah. the way that they integrate together, the way that you can." share information across all of these different devices and stuff, it it will change your life. Yeah. And it's I've I don't think I'll ever I mean it, it would yeah. take something pretty significant to make me say, oh you know what, I'm gonna go back and use a PC. Yeah. Oh I think I'm gonna, you know, I'll try a different tablet. <clears throat> I just that that for me the functionality has just been fantastic. So I swallowed so the cost. The brand. Yeah, it is more expensive, right? I'm an Apple guy too. So it, it is more expensive, but the brand for you with Apple is ease of use, functionality, coordination, they coordinate mm -hmm. really well together. That's branding. And it's also providing a good product right. or, or at least a product that, you know, they've told us is good. Right. Um, I, I see through marketing. That's one of my weaknesses, but I sometimes I'm like, oh, whatever, you know, but right. When brands really capitalize on what they're doing, Apple is a great example of that. They've never apologized for price because they're just like, we're going to be really good stuff. You, right. can't, you can't even buy a crappy Mac, right? They just don't exist. They don't have a low-end one. Right. 
they have different functionalities, but they're and they cost different things. But they're even their low end is high cost. You're like, right. oh wow, that's expensive. Right. No, and I mean, I used Samsung phones. I really love the Note phones. Yeah. The Note Seven. I loved it. I, yeah. In fact, that was a turning point for me because that was the one that then had all the battery issues. Yeah. Mine was fine. Mine worked great. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Samsung throttled it down because they were worried about battery issues, and so then. Battery life was terrible. The performance was terrible. And from that point on, I just said, okay, I'm not going to use Samsung yeah. anymore. Yeah. I mean, because I was I was happy, and they probably would have had me through whatever generation sure. they're on now. I, right. Because I really liked the Note. I just thought it was a fabulous, so fabulous that, phone. So in that is where you, so as a brand, you lose trust in someone. And that could have just as easily happened on the Apple side. They could have failed you in some way. And then you're like, all right, I'm all Samsung now, right? Mm -hmm. Like that could have easily been the case, but it happened to go the other way and that's okay. So when you're branding your business, you got to think that way. There are certain types of advertising that are significantly better for branding than others, right? And so I'm going to talk about those for just a second. Print, which we're doing in the magazine, is very good at branding. Um, Advertising, uh, advertorials. Uh, articles, teaching, also very good for branding. That's another thing. So the magazines can be an avenue for that. But your videos are also going to be an avenue for that. That's a way to build yourself as the women's advocate. So when Sally hears her sister is going to go through a divorce and her husband cheated on her and she's madder than heck, she's like, you got to call the women's advocate. That's branding. Right, that's what you need to create, and she is probably happy in her marriage. But she watched your video for whatever reason, and now she remembers you, or she read your article in the magazine. That's branding. Okay, right. um, online display ads can be really good at branding, like just showing up in places that people who might be going through this. Like if you could advertise on the court's uh, website, that'd be awesome, right? right? You can't, but that's right. what, like that's the point. Is you want to be in places where once someone's in the situation, they need you. They find you. So um, local things like sponsoring the school, you know, cheerleader team or the calendar, whatever, those are good for branding, especially in a local community. Well, Um, and especially, right, especially since my target market is moms. Right. Right. That's So moms or grandmas, right? So wherever grandmas are going to be, it's going to be the schools. Yeah. If the high school still had newspapers, that would be a great place to be. Um, They don't, but, you know. You get the point. Direct mail can be a very good branding. And some of these carry over into other things too, right? Sure. So um, your logo is important. So the idea and thought you put behind the um, the lighthouse was um, was good. So we need to think of either utilizing that still or putting something else in place. I would ask the question, is nautical more of a male-oriented um, logo? or But I, I, it's just something to think about. I'm not saying it is. I just, that mm-hmm. popped in my head, you know, is is the nautical theme that way. I do think lighthouses, I know my daughters get way excited about lighthouses in Oregon when we go visit, and mm-hmm. I'm like, neat, <laughs> you know, so right. so they could be a good sign. So um, TV ads, uh, traditional TV especially, is really good for branding. Um, when, you know, you think of, are you you're from Utah originally, or? No. No. How from long have you been Virginia. here? Well, since, what, since I was 12. Okay, a long time. So you remember the guy... I only lived here, so I'm from Las Vegas, but I um, ran a Cutco office in Salt Lake for a summer. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I worked my guts out, so I didn't watch much TV, but I would watch TV, and they had a guy. He was, 
like super high energy and he was selling like computers. Mm -hmm. I'm trying yeah. to think of who, who was that? Dale Shanzi. Probably totally awesome computers. Totally awesome computers. That's yeah. it. That guy built a brand based on advertising on TV all the time. Yeah. And so I, that's the kind of like that repetitive thing that happens. Right. Because you're from here, you remember the name. I was only here for three months and right. I didn't didn't remember the name. But Super Dale. Yeah, Super Dale. Yeah, he had... He'd wear a cape, and I only saw the commercial like two or three times, but then I've had people mention it to me. I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, I saw that one time. Okay, that's brand recognition, okay? Mm -hmm. You can use all of your platforms. Anything you're doing will help with brand recognition. So if you're going to do, let's say, YouTube, you pick YouTube. You don't have to pick YouTube. I'm just saying as an example. Every time you put up a video, figure out a way to put your logo at the beginning of it and at the end of it. That'll help with branding, okay? And then your website, too, so people can easily visit it. Okay, lead generation, this is different. This is where you want someone who's in the moment of decision to make the decision to call you. Mm -hmm. If your branding is really good and you've done a good job leading up to it, then this decision becomes easier for people. Because when someone needs a plumber or they need an electrician or they need any kind of service or they need their tires changed, right? What happens that they don't realize, there's a subconscious thing that happens, is they'll go to Google Google is the, you know, actually Google Maps is the new yellow book, right? right. So um, phone book. So they, they open up their phone. They go to Google Maps. Our, our generation goes to Google. Our kids go to Google Maps to look for something. It's just okay. the way it's changing, right? And Google knows this, and they're moving all of us towards that. That's why the map shows up in your search results sometimes at the top. But they go to Google Maps, and they type, uh, I need a plumber, okay? Toilet's clogged. Sink's clogged. Something's going on uncomfortable situation they're in the right. moment of decision they're going to get a list of three maybe four map listings and if they click more they're going to get the 50 different plumbers that are in ogden utah right well they're going to look at that and sometimes they're just going to call the first one on the list and so of course it's worth it for that plumber to try and be that right. first person on that list sometimes they're going to look at those three and they're going to recognize a name and they're going to be like Rentmeister, right? That's one of my clients. Right. Rentmeister. I've heard of them before. And they're going to go to that, even if they're number three on the list. Or even if they click more more options and Rentmeister's number 10 on the list, that person's subconsciously going to be like, I know them. I know, like, they have a reputation. It's right. a good reputation. I'm going to call them. Branding gets people to call you. And so lead generation is the way you get them to respond to something you've done in the moment of decision. So Apple Maps can be very good. Um, print, TV, and radio advertisements with a good call to action or with something that is a differentiator or with something that is a decision-making process. So a lot of people will say, get your free guide, get, get my book, get something, right? It's something to generate a desire for someone to do something, okay? Right. Um, Advertorial promoting online interaction, retargeting, especially with a big decision. Anybody that visits your website, when they show up somewhere else on CNN or ESPN or you know whatever website they go to, or they're watching a video on you YouTube, want a, a divorce it pops attorney back up. to pop up on there. Yeah, right. That they've already visited your website, and now you're just retargeting because they're going to take a couple of days to a couple of weeks to make their decision on who they're going to go with, and if they interact with you once and then you disappear. They may not remember you. Mm -hmm. So that's a very powerful way to do lead generation or website visits. Now, um, paid search and paid social are probably the most powerful in this world because, uh, and SEO and SEM help too. So SEO is 
basically organic, uh, attempt, attempting to use organic tools to get you to rank higher on the search engines, SEO. So you're not paying the search engines necessarily for this. You're paying probably somebody to manage the website, and this is something you've had some experience with. <laughs> SEM is paid forcing yourself at the top of that thing, right? So you can pay to have an ad that shows up anytime somebody you know, searches divorce attorney or women's divorce attorney or anything like that. Now, because it's a competitive market, that's going to cost a lot of money. And so you have to be aware you're competing. The way Google works and the way Facebook works, <clears throat> Facebook's a little different, but Google, especially in Bing, is you're bidding for the placement right. on the page. And they... And it's their best interest for you to bid against each other because it drives up right. the cost. Right. And it's natural in a, in a large market like you're in that you're going to have some of that. So, But those are very powerful. And being in the right place at the right time is powerful in a, in a moment of decision. So so would you say that, the, that Google also, though, I mean, because this paid advertising is so powerful that there's even, I mean, it would seem like it would benefit Google if, just the organic stuff didn't help as much as the paid stuff. And so, I mean, is there some... So Google has a... They have a, a little bit of a balancing act to perform all the time. And so um, it's it's similar to, to me with the magazine, right? I have to write content. I have to develop content and a following in the publication so that people will read it. If we don't serve that part of the market, then our advertisers don't get what they've paid right. for, Right. So Google has to provide, and they, they use these uh, measurements. They use proximity as one of their measurements, and they also use predominance as another measurement. So sometimes you'll go online and you'll search for, um, I'm trying to think of something you might search for, Adidas shoes. Well, the first ad that pops up sometimes is from adidas.com. Right. And you're like, that's interesting. The second ad that pops up might be from Nike.com. And the third thing that popped up is probably the organic Adidas.com website. And the reason that happens is the reason they advertise there is because they know Nike's going to probably be there too or whoever, right? The competitor's going to be there. And so they're like, well, we want to make sure we're top of the list, so we're going to pay for our own right. name. And then, But the organic thing happens because when people go to Adidas.com, they get what they were looking for. Right. That's the predominance, right? They're, they're trying to provide you what you were looking for. And by providing that service, the better they do. And you'll notice, like, have you ever had the thought you're searching for something and you're like, it's got to be on this first page. Like, I don't need to go very deep. Unless you're searching for your own business that isn't on the first page. Right, right. That first page is valuable. And so they're trying to say, yes, not only am I who I say I am, but people get what they want when they find me. Okay. That gives you that predominance. That gives you that, like, the answer. And that gives... And so Google is constantly... This is why having someone help you manage Google, if they're doing a good job, is valuable because, because it's constantly a moving target because Google is trying to balance between, yes, we want advertisers and we want people to pay money, but we also want them to find what they're looking for so that they continue to trust us. Okay. Because if you were all of a sudden like, I'm never getting what I want on Google, I'm going to go try Bing. That's a loss of a customer for, for Google. So they need to provide a good service too. So they're trying to balance the two. They want you to advertise. They want to make money. And they do. It's like 60 70% of their revenue is advertising for Google. All their other products, advertising is 60 to 70%. So, okay. um, 
So anyway, does that make sense? Like yeah, no, you just have sense. to kind of fight both battles and they're fighting both battles too, because what they don't want is for some new kid to come out of law school and be really good at the technical side. And he's just himself in his, his, uh, you know, kitchen sitting on the table with a laptop and he's really good at getting it rank high in Google, but he can't, can't even help clients. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's brand like, they don't want that to happen. They want that guy to have to go and earn his reputation so that he can be predominant in the marketplace. Okay. So it does take time. It takes dedicated thought and uh, you know attempt to continue to get those things to work well. Now, advertising actually can lead to the predominance thing too, because if you're advertising and it's bringing people to your website and they're getting what they want on your website, they're gonna pay attention to that. So it can actually help with that as well. Okay. So, okay. The last thing is in-person visits. Um, we talked about this before that you, that's not really a common thing for you, but there are some things in here that I think are valuable because they deal with the proximity deal. So in, in, in person visits, you want, um, something compelling. You want something that's like, here's why you need to come here. So if you're a mattress store right? and right now, you know, the, I remember when Tempur-Pedic came to, came and and became big, right? Right. And mattress stores started saying, we have Tempur-Pedic. That's not super compelling. So uh, when a real estate agent says, well, I give free uh, value estimates or you know, valuations on your home. Yeah, no crap. So is every other realtor. Like those things do not, they're not compelling. Compelling is something where you, you hold an event or you bring people together for a reason and your classes that you want to teach those could potentially be something compelling enough that it brings people together and it gives you marketing, right? It gives you predominance. So that's something that you could consider um, and, you know, having some kind of an event annually, um, doing something like that. Geotargeting can be really good for you too, um, where you draw lines around where you want to specialize in. And then you can also deliver ads in those areas that say, I'm North Ogden's women's advocate. Mm -hmm. Because the more it pertains to someone, the more likely they are to interact with it. The reason we named our magazines North Ogden Connection is because people in li live in North Ogden are going to see that come right. in the mail and they're like, oh, this is for us. Right. What is this, right? What The first time, you know, we've been around for a while now, so they know what it is. But the point is you want to get that attention at first. It's your hook, right? If you're fishing, you've got to have something on your hook that grabs them. So. Right. Um, Google Maps could be a really good thing for you. Um, you're going to have a lot of competition, so it's something to take with, um, you know, taking in, as you go through this process, have you set up a budget for what you want to spend on advertising? I haven't set up any budget yet. Okay. So I'm going to grab, let me grab the marketing playbook. So here's the things that, um, that we need to get for you. Um, it's basically the table of contents. Mm -hmm. So the point of advertising, which we've covered pretty well today, a budget. Now the SBA recommends you spend seven to 8% of your overall revenue on marketing. It's just a recommendation. There's no way to put an actual number on this. Every business is unique and you have to make your own decision there, but seven to 8% is a place to start. I can tell you from experience, if you want to grow and you want to be in a growth mode, it's going to take 15 to 20%. And you don't want that forever because that gobbles up a lot of your profit margin. But when, with our, <clears throat> so we started our Roof Max business last year and it was a brand new concept. You know, it was a brand new deal where you spray roofs and, you know, people weren't familiar with it. And 
all the research we did, we loved it, but we had to get other people to love it too, or at least like the idea of it. And so we started doing that. Well, we spent 20% last year and, uh, I will probably continue to do that because I, I, my son runs that, but I mm-hmm. bought that as an asset. I want it to pay off in the long run. Well, that means a really strong brand. It means, you know, good referrals. So that means we got to do a good job with what we're doing. Don't overpromise and under under deliver. All right. of those things matter. And so, but I'm going to continue to spend more than what, but after a couple of years of that, I want to do a lot more revenue, not right. continue to spend 20% because that's profit, right? That's where you hopefully are making money. So um, so anyway, uh, you've got to come up with some concepts. So we've talked about your USP. And so now once you've got your USP, you start building your messaging around that, which to be honest, you did that all day today. You told stories of here's the situations I'm running into. And your USP is a perfect example of 50-50 is not as fair as it sounds. And so... I think continuing to build on that. So um, telling the stories that demonstrate that, even when they go bad, because sometimes when they go bad, you're like, this is why I'm frustrated with this one because it didn't go, this isn't fair. This isn't right, right. what happened, right? So those are those are good too. And then, um, so create your content around that, create your offers around that. So, you know, an offer an attorney might have is, well, we do a free consultation at the beginning. So is every other attorney. So consider how to do an offer that might be valuable. When you come in for a one-on-one consultation with me, you get a copy of my free brochure on how 50-50 isn't as fair as it sounds, right? And that brochure, booklet, whatever you want to make, or you know, is a step-by-step in how to make sure you get an equitable outcome. Our goal is to make it fair, but 50-50 isn't as fair as it sounds. We're not trying to rake anybody over the coals. We're trying to make this work out to be good, okay? And I think Having something like that that you can draw people in to get an appointment would be very valuable. Right. It's no no pressure, but you come in and we'll meet with you and we'll give you this booklet that'll help you give give you the tools that you're going to need to to accomplish this. And then and then once you've done that, then we move into creating the layers of marketing that are going to add to each other, right? And you're already in the magazines, which is great. <clears throat> so here we are. Now Except let's lay. Now. Except now, instead of just being in the magazine, now I can start to actually make sure that I'm doing more targeted messaging. Correct. Not not only just in the magazine, but let's say you're in the magazine and you've done this article on a Megan who's gone through a situation and how you worked on it and how it either turned out for the good or for the bad. doesn't matter because you're going to teach through both of those. Now you layer on top of that with a YouTube video that talks about the same scenario and then you use that as a paid video to put somewhere else, like those are layering your marketing tools, right? right? And then you show up where you're supposed to show up. So when they Google you, they should be able to find you. Um, I uh, interacted with the owner of um, Whipple Service Champions, your Mm -hmm. local guy, so that's a brand you've heard of, right? Right. They advertise like crazy. And one time he said to me, he's like, Ryan, I advertise so that when people need a new water heater, they don't say plumber near me, they type in Whipple and right. they get me. He's, that's branding, right? That's making sure people are Googling the right thing. They're Googling Charles Alstrom. They're not Googling divorce attorney. They're Googling you because they've heard your name or their sister heard your name. They know that brand and that's what they're going to go do. Any questions? Oh, I've got tons of questions. <laughs> Let's go. So, and I, the, my first big question is this, right? So I'm 
I'm going to be kind of branding myself separately, but also under the brand. So if I have a separate website that's for me, mm-hmm. that then leads to the law firm's website, is that going to create problems for me with Google? It shouldn't. Um, I mean, I, I don't know the nuances of the legal field and, and how, how Google you know measures their pr- predominance, but I do know, like you probably just want to capture, like you want to be part of what they're doing because obviously that's where your license is going to be hung, right? But it, you can create, and, and you told me this, but you can create your own website and market your own thing separately. I would capture people I can do on that. I website. Just, but I just, I'm, you know, and again, in my reading about Google and stuff, they talk about how, you know, if Google starts seeing that you have all these different websites set up that are leading to the same place, then they, right, they start to ding you for some of that. Yeah, they, stuff. they could. So... What I'm saying is for the women's advocate thing, your website's going to be very targeted towards that, and you're going to keep people in there. Your phone number's going to be there. Your lead capture form's going to be there. All of those things are going to be in one place there. They're never going to move over to the other one. But if someone finds you through some other thing and they're like, I need a will, well, that shows up under your other one. So does that create a problem, though, if I've got the same address and phone number for me as a women's advocate versus me as an attorney at this business? It shouldn't, um, because you're talking about different things. I mean, I have, I think I have six businesses here, and Google doesn't like that. But this is my office. Like, I have five magazines. I have connection. It's more than six. So I have five magazines. I have connection publishing as it's the parent company of those magazines. Mm -hmm. I have RoofMax. And we just met with you to set up right. two more businesses, right? So Google's like, what the crap? But I, I rank well for what we do in this area. Like, I, you know, I, I can't change what actually is. And in this case, what actually is, is you have multiple things you're doing. You are going to create this women's advocacy practice that is what you're going to focus on on marketing, but like you are also, are also going to do wills and trusts. And well, and I'm, I'm you're actually, going to, most of that I'm going to, right? If people come right. in for that, I'm going to have somebody else Perfect. who focuses on that, handle that stuff too. So Yeah, so I think, I don't think you have a problem there. I would create your little world over here that's separate. You capture their info. They have your phone number. They have all of the ways to get a hold of you and to, to interact with you. But there's also that other identity that's over there because... I've never met an attorney that only did one thing. <laughs> they just tend to do more than one, you know. Right. Like I do this, but I also do this, right? Because the practice, you know, the practice of law is very diverse. There's a lot of things that you can cover. So, right. but right, but I'd rather just have people know that if they're calling me with this issue, that's what I do. Yeah, you become the specialist and the expert. Okay, what else? That was that was that's the because because I mean I I see my first step is. I need to take my my existing Facebook page and my existing website, make some changes to it that now yeah. focus on this instead of yep instead of Sentinel Law. I need to focus on now me Charles Alstrom yes women's advocate. <clears throat> What's your right. USP? Um, fifty fifty isn't as fair as it sounds. Yep, and play with that because it may adjust. You know, you may change that, but. You know, I always say you got to start somewhere. I use the analogy of um, the pottery, um, the pottery teacher that wanted to do an experiment with his class, and he split them in half, and he said, "Okay, this half, I'm going to grade you on the quantity of pottery that you, you create. Quantity is the only part of your grade. 
I'll actually weigh it. And so whoever creates the most, 50 pounds is an A, 40 pounds is a B, so on and so forth, right? Your mission is create a lot of pottery. Doesn't matter about the quality. This side of the room, you could create one piece of pottery, but that thing better be perfect, right? You are focused on quality. That's all I want from you. Make the very best pottery you can make. And at the end of the semester, the weirdest thing happened. This side of the room that was focused on quantity had the best pottery because they learned it by doing it. And so like, you're going to make errors in doing this. You're going to do things where you're like, oh, that did not turn out good. You know, we did one, I'll give you an example. When I first had the magazine, we decided we're going to do this Easter thing. I wanted to have an event. And so we put it in the magazine, we got sponsors and we went to them and we put up all these rules that I figured these might be problems. And I, we gave the sponsors Easter eggs. Well, inside these Easter eggs were clues to go to the next sponsor business. And I thought, we'll create all this foot traffic for businesses. Well, we get to the end of it and all the businesses were like, I would never do that again. And I was like, why? Well, because it was, they would just, even though your rules said they couldn't just send their kids in, they needed to come in, adults needed to come in, nobody did. Kids would run in and be like, I need the egg. And they're interrupting our day and they're causing, like, it was a flop, right. an unmitigated flop. And I look back on that and I'm like, we learned a valuable lesson there that people aren't going to necessarily right. follow your rules because you published <laughs> them in your magazine, you right. know? And so... They had tons of eggs given out, and we had this big contest and a prize, and it was probably good for our brand, but it didn't do well for the brands of the people we were trying to help. And so you're going to have things like that, but think like that. Think how can we create energy and, and excitement about, around what we're doing? How can we run a seminar? How can we get people to that seminar? Right. All of those things, you know? So Okay. Well, it gives me a lot of stuff to think about. I guess I also have to start looking for a some sort of logo. Do you really do you like the lighthouse? Do well, I have? like I like the lighthouse, but I but again, I've also I have no sacred cows. So one thing um, I think a lot of us get tied up in. I gotta create this visual icon that is all about me and my brand and represents everything that I do. And <clears throat> I'm like, yeah. I like the name of things to be the logo, the Coca-Cola, mm-hmm. Apple. Now, Apple has the Apple, too, but it's also Apple, right? It's also the name, the word. Um, so on my on the consulting side of what I'm doing, Ryan Speltz, it's the Ryan Speltz company, right? I want to brand me and my name and, and the help I'm going to give to people is right. going to come through that. Connection Publishing, the main part of our logo is... The words connection publishing. Now right. sometimes you need something small, so I put the initials in a circle, and I'll use that for something small. But most of the time, if I have a shirt, it has connection publishing on it. Mm-hmm. So I think using your name would not be a bad idea. Um, I think you have a unique enough name. It's not John Smith, right? Where it's going to get lost in the noise. You have a unique enough name that it's going to grab people, and they're going to remember it. So consider that. Consider just having it done in a unique way that. You know, and you actually, if you think about attorneys, they use their names a lot. Right. You could call it Alstrom Law. You could, you know, whatever. But I, I think just your name, you're the advocate, Charles Alstrom. And eventually that may have to adjust, but attorney firms do this all the time. They add names to the door. Right. Well, and I, you know, I, I read prolifically. I love Michael Gerber. Mm-hmm. Right? And he talks a lot about establishing your business as something different from you. Right. And so that's, I mean, that's why I've always, I've always worked to say, well, 
no, I don't want it to be me because I don't want it to be me forever. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. So it's not Ryan Speltz publishing. It's connection publishing. It's connection publishing. Sure. So if Ryan Speltz is gone, connection publishing still, still continues. But if it's Charles Alstrom, attorney at law, and Charles Alstrom isn't there anymore, well, then that's kind of weird. True. So I think um, the only reason I say that with you, but, but and then I'll talk about the other side of it. The only sure. reason I say that about you is because you've talked to me already about wanting to to do um, events, seminars, teaching, uh, you know, the people that I follow, I've mentioned names, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk is a big one in the industry right now. He's, he's a marketing guy. <clears throat> They're all branding their name because they are experts at what they do. Um, but if you were to advertise with VaynerMedia, which that is what his main business was, was an advertising business, you don't call on the phone and get Gary on the phone. Right, right. <laughs> He's right. not going to touch your stuff. And so, like, I think at one point you have both that are important. So you could go the other way, though. And the other way is to create a brand and a name that captures what you're doing. So there's actually an attorney firm here called The Advocates. Right. Um, there's another one that's interesting that's not names. There's Jensen and Jensen. They're all names. You know, Cordell and Cordell. Um, you could go the other way and try to consider names that are more general. So, but you could talk about the women's advocacy group or the women's advocacy LLP. You know, something like that where it pulls it away from you. I've also had attorneys tell me, "Don't name it your name because then that could make it easier to sue you personally and not your company and things like that." So there are, are considerations yeah. there. But I, uh, for me. In what I'm going to build, it's going to start with me. That could change later, right? Right now, it's Ryan Speltz company, but it could become, you know, the marketing guru company someday. Mm -hmm. I could change it. You even said that to me. You're like, well, this will start here, and then you could change it later if you right. want. So, right. um, so I think that's valuable as well. Okay. But consider that. I mean, I think you have a firm. What's the name of your new firm? Uh, Sage Law Partners. Yeah. So Sage Law Partners can show up on all of your stuff, right? You can utilize that. I'm part of Sage Law Partners, but the specialized knowledge and the specialized experience that you're offering, that's you, Charles Alstrom at Sage Law Partners. Okay. Eventually, Charles Alstrom might do enough events and things like that that you're just feeding leads to your team of attorneys who are handling the advocacy part, and you're the main marketer, you're the main educator, you're the main idea generator that's the reason right. we do things the way we do them, that can all change, but it still comes down to you being the expert. So anyway, okay. both, are, both are worth considering. Okay. Okay, so here is that. Um, from an advertising standpoint, the things that we do at Connection Publishing, obviously the magazine, we also have the digital options as well. So we can do paid search and social. We can do a little bit with SEO. I try not to get into SEO too much because I don't build websites because mm -hmm. really it's a lot of it is in the infrastructure of the website. John could help with that kind of stuff though. And then um, we also do uh, geo-targeted, um, you know, display ads or videos. I can do over-the-top video. So there's two types of video now that are growing like crazy. One is OTT and the other one is connected TV. So OTT shows up um, and, and the way these, the thing that's happened that's interesting is it used to be you advertise on TV and you could get like a fourth of the population, right? 
that's no longer the case unless you have a really dominant show. But what most people are doing now is they're connecting. I don't know how you watch shows, but like I don't even have a TV connection at my house. But we do have Netflix and we do mm-hmm. have um, Apple TVs that connect to our TV. And we even have a Roku TV downstairs, you know. So, But through those, there's apps like Freebie is owned by Amazon. It's one of the fastest growing ones. Well, you can watch, like let's say you and I were next door neighbors and you're well-to-do and I'm not so well-to-do but your income is above this threshold, right? So somebody as an advertiser could come in and say, I want people above this income threshold and I want them in this area. And so the ad, we could watch the same exact TV show the same night and you're gonna see one ad and I'm gonna see a different one based on the demographics. So it's highly targeted video. Once we get your messaging dialed in, that could be a very valuable tool for you branding for you is going to be based on who you are and with the things you say. And so as the expert, you know, I think having some videos that we do could be really good. So, um, so those are things that we offer as connection right. publishing. There's a lot of other stuff out there that you could be part of Burton law. They are billboards like crazy. I'm sure they're doing some SEO stuff too. Mm-hmm. Cordell and Cordell, you'll need to look at what they're, they do a lot of radio advertising. Radio is their thing. Mm-hmm. When you get to those points and you're like, I'd really like to explore this, just let me know. I have connections on each of those. I don't offer them all, but we can right. at least point you in the right direction and help you know who who you can talk to. So a good friend of mine, I actually did a podcast with him last week, um, mm-hmm. is Steve Rich. And he used to be the, um, the uh, VP of sales for Associated Foods. Associated Foods is the largest independent grocery distributor in the world. So they're huge and they're right here in Pleasant View, but they... Um, because of that, he has all these relationships with media because he spent hundreds of thousands of dollars when he was VP of sales there. Now he's got his own consulting firm. But um, one of the things that you could uh, do is get on a couple of the news stations during their daytime shows. And it's quite inexpensive for what you get. And it's not even being on the show that's like the most valuable. It's utilizing that on your social media and on other places. Like, look, I was on the news. And it, it really adds, like putting it on your website. So we've done it with RoofMax. We're going to do it with What to Eat for Dinner. Um, we're going to do it with several of these different things, you know, just to get our notoriety. And I think that could be pretty valuable for you mm-hmm. as well. So those end up being about $900 per showing. But I think doing two to three of those would be pretty valuable for you just because, you know, it gets, it gets your name out there. We've had jobs come from it, you know, for RoofMax, for example. But it's more important that the branding is there and then we get to use it on our stuff. Remember that one time I showed up on news? You can continually reuse it mm-hmm. and it gives that, like, it gives that, you know, authority, that sense of authority. Like, oh, yeah, they were on the news. So... And we've had people say that they're like, oh, you were on the news. They don't realize a lot of times that we paid for that, but, um, (laughs) but they're like, oh yeah, you were on the news. It gives it that authority. Like, oh yeah, I recognize you because you did this thing. So I think that could be good for you too. Okay. But well, thanks for coming in. Thanks for spending the time with me, Ryan. That's (laughs) this, I mean, if, if nothing else, this 50, 50 is not as fair as it sounds, I think has been. Uh, that that's a huge yep that's a huge win it's a good one i like it yeah no and and then this idea of trust and roles i i i like that because i think i can use that a lot more in i mean even just in how i'm presenting this information to to yep. judges and to 
potential clients and stuff. I think that's that that plays out in a lot of different ways. Awesome. Well, I'm excited. I told you the other day, two years. I know. None of this is super fast. Like we're not talking about you being, you know, the top attorney in town next month or anything like that. But if you focus on this for two years and you have a mission and you're just like, this is what I'm doing. It's not going to be perfect. It's going to be a windy path. Mm-hmm. I always say marketing and business ownership is like climbing a gravel hill. <laughs> you're running as fast as you can. You're not making as much headway as you'd like, but you are still running, you know, yeah. and every step forward, you yeah. slide back another foot or two. So, but. yeah, so I'm the, the budget thing is going to be probably the, the next big thing to consider. And I say start somewhere. You can't spend all your money, all your profit, because you got to provide for the family. But start right. somewhere, pick it, and then just say, I'm going to spend this. Um, I'm going to spend it going forward, you know. You're spending money with me. You know, we've done a trade, but it's, it is, there's value in that, right? So there's, you know, you're spending money there. So then say, okay, what is most important to me right now? And there's no money to be spent in creating YouTube videos, right? You put them up, it's free. Right. They may not generate much traffic, but you're going to get good at creating the videos and knowing how to talk about things. So there's value there, but there's a cost of time in doing that. You're going to have to make the video. You're going to then have to learn how to edit the video or have someone to edit for you. Do you have a recommendation of, cause I was like, just, I would just make it on my phone and then I would try and edit it in um, iMovie. Yeah. That that's was a pain in the, that's actually what we use. Okay. Once you learn it, it's okay. It's not super powerful. It doesn't have all the features. I'm trying to learn Premiere Pro right now. It's like I might as well throw you know sand at the wall. It just feels right. like it's dumb. Like okay. I can't figure it out. But we use iMovie because it's simple enough. If you need like a little tutorial, my wife has gotten pretty good at it, and my daughter is pretty good at it, so we can help. You know. But once you get once you get the basics down, you know how to throw a logo on it. You know how to do. A right. little music intro and things like that, then then you just continue to repeat that, you know. Right. And then, but then, I mean, you're the plan is to make you a very busy attorney here, right? So you're not going to be able to be your video editor long term. So you'll have to find someone that can do that, and and that's a you know that'll right. just happen. But yeah. at first, you got to do what you got to do. So don't be crazy about it. Don't worry about it too much. You know, just and should start these throwing be, them up. I mean, should these be short videos? Should they be? doesn't matter but I would I, I try to be five minutes or less okay. three minutes or less is even better um, so 30 I shouldn't be shooting for 30 seconds but I should be trying well, you, to still keep it you short. can do 30 seconds too but those are hooks for a different reason they're different like you've got to be super concise in 30 seconds but like reels and shorts on YouTube and um, the stories on on uh, Facebook and TikToks those are all well, they have options now that are a little longer, but most of those are one minute or less. You just have to nuggetize everything you're doing and put it in the most compact way that you can. But like, if you're if you're telling a story, like people will watch, my wife will watch people who live on a farm and like, it's crazy to me the things right. people will watch and she'll watch right. two hours of that. And I'm like, what? I have no interest in that. But you know, I'll sit and watch something I'm interested in. Right. So if somebody's in a situation and they need information on what they're about to go through and they're scared like you said the the content in your videos i don't think the length's going to matter it's not necessarily lead generation if it's lead generation it needs to be short sweet and to the point but this is education this is establishing the the expertise that you have so you should have a hook at the beginning something like i'm charles alstrom i'm a women's advocate in family law and 50 50 isn't as fair as you think and here's why 
right? It should be a part, your USP should be part of everything you say and the why you're doing it, right? Here's what happened. Here's what the situation was. Here's what the outcome was. That should be a repeating theme for you. And it'll help people say, oh yeah, I don't want that to happen. I definitely want him to be my attorney because I don't want that to happen to me. Or I want that kind of result for me or whatever that is, right? So you're going to go through and, and establish yourself as that authority that way. Okay. So, Okay. And then we can do this again. You know, if we get a month down the road and you're like, all right, I'm filling in the weeds a little bit. Let's sit down and figure it out because I think we can. Okay. So, all right. That's it.